You're listening to a sermon recording from Southside Christian Church. The sermon you're about to listen to was delivered by Brooks Wilson on October 21st, 2018. For more information about Southside, visit our website at southsidechristian.com. Mark Victor Hansen tells a story of a dad in Armenia who would drop his son off to school every morning. The year was 1988. And uh, the boy's name was Armand, and every day he'd drop him off to school, and he would say the same thing to his boy. He'd say, Armand, I'll always be there for you. Every single day, the same thing. Armand, I'll always be there for you. 1988, some of you will remember, Armenia suffered a devastating earthquake. A 6.9 magnitude earthquake that killed some 30,000 people in four minutes. A second tremor came along just a few moments after that. 5.8 added to the death toll of 60,000 people. All the buildings were flattened. Armand's dad survived but ran immediately to the school where he had dropped his son off that morning only to find the school a pile of rubble. Remembering that his son's classroom was at the back of the school, on the right-hand side, he ran to the back as quickly as he could, and he began with his bare hands to dig out the bricks and the plaster and dig through the rubble. Other parents came, other people came, and stood around the school in shock. In fact, after a while, many of them began to say to Armand's dad, What are you, what are you doing? It's, it's too late. They're, they're all dead. What, what are you doing? And he just looked at those parents and he said, you can grumble or you can help me. Are you going to help me now? And he kept digging. And some people helped for a while. But given the enormity of the task, they began to give up when they got tired, of course. But not Armand's dad. He couldn't stop thinking about his son. So he he just kept digging. In fact, a fire chief even showed up and tried to pull him off the rubble. And he said, listen, fires are breaking out. Explosions are happening everywhere. You're not safe here. Go home. But he kept digging. A, a police officer came by and said, Listen, I know you're angry. You're, you're distraught. But, but it's not safe here. Uh, you, you need to go home. But he wouldn't stop digging. He dug for hours and hours and hours because he would not give up on his son. That is courage. That, that is loyalty. And I wonder, does that sort of passionate courage define and describe your faith in King Jesus? You know, over the last several weeks now, we have been talking about this faith in Jesus, saving faith that is more than just a few facts that we know or maybe just a few words that we say somewhere in our life. It's an all-encompassing allegiance to our living and reigning Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And that sounds like a good thing in church. But to be honest with you, the trouble is our culture has been flattened by the seismic shaking of a secular philosophy. And we felt it everywhere, even in the last month. I mean, you can turn on the TV and you feel uh, the walls crashing down, even on something as simple as the relationship between men and women. When you look at the, the Kavanaugh Supreme Court hearings or the revelations of Me Too movement, you feel it. When you look at the hostility uh, among political parties on television, have you seen the hate ads for politicians? They're everywhere. 
Opioid addiction is ravaging our nation. Nearly 50,000 people died of overdose last year alone for that one drug alone. Anxiety is at an all-time high, even though the principal American value these days is the pursuit of happiness. We're not getting there. And none of you won the Mega Millions on Saturday either. The flimsy walls of our Christian hostile culture seem to be caving in. And my question is, what kind of people can stand amidst the shaking? Who can be uh, people of help in a world of hurt? I think it's people of courage. People of loyalty. People of faith in King Jesus, the giver of life. People like you. So how can we stand in Jesus while the world shakes so often apart from Him? Well, uh, Paul put it this way to the Christians feeling some of those tremors in the book of Ephesus. And if you have a, a Bible want to open up to Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to look throughout the book this morning, but particularly here in Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 16, which is on page 950 in those brown Bibles in front of you or in the Version app, you can follow along there as well. How can we be a people who stand in this courageous loyalty? Well, well Paul sort of ends this letter to the Ephesians this way. He says, finally... Be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Great. Well, how do we do that? And he goes on to say, Well, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. God, remind us of this. Our struggle is not against men, against women. Our struggle is not against Republicans, against Democrats. Our struggle is not against LGBTQ community or rabid fundamentalists. Our Our struggle is not against people. Our struggle, he says, are against the rulers, the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. How can we stand with a courageous loyalty for King Jesus in this somewhat troubled time in our world? Well, let me highlight just one piece of armor in Paul's arsenal here that he talks through, this, this shield of faith. Let's think about that for a moment. I want to use an image uh, that author Matthew Bates, who we heard from last week, uses where he talks about faith, uh, this ancient Greek word pistis, as a a circular Roman shield. And to describe that, uh, this beautiful thing that can protect us from the schemes of the evil one and who can enable our courage with King Jesus. So for this kind of saving and courageous faith, each person must have their own sort of allegiance shield. And all three surfaces of the shield are important. The inside of it, uh, the outside of it, and the the edge of it, the circular band all the way around. They must be properly crafted for the shield to serve its purpose, to to lead us into abundant life in this kind of war-torn world that we're in. The good news is that each shield comes as a gift from God, as we eagerly accept it from Him. Our job isn't to make the shield, but to wield it well. So how can we hold this shield of faith with courage? Let me look at just each of the different parts of that shield for a moment. First, the shield's interior. Let me say it this way. It's the courage to believe the unbelievable. 
Now, for your shield of faith here to be effective, it has to have a sturdy interior element to it. Uh, and only one kind of interior really will work. Looking inside that shield now with your mind's eye, imagine uh, this, this portion closest to your body. You find the eight movements of Christ's life, his gospel story etched in the inside of the shield. It signifies that you mentally agree with the truth of this story. It marks you in a world shaking with unbelief. And so in careful lettering within that, it it reads this beautiful gospel statement that I believe, it says, in Jesus the King who uh, preexisted with the Father, who took on human flesh according to the promise of God to David, who died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, who was buried and raised on the third day again in accordance with the Scriptures, who appeared to many as seated at the right hand of God as as Lord and will come again as judge. Because you affirm that the truth of that story and you live into that, you can lift your shield of faith with courage and you know who you belong to, even even when your friends or coworkers or people in your life find the story unbelievable. A man who is God, who died but rose again, who is reigning right now supremely but one day will return, I know what that sounds like in this culture. It sounds ludicrous. Except it's true. Believe in this King Jesus. Believe in this one who Hebrews talks about. Hebrews 7 describes, I love this, one who has become a priest not on the basis of the regulation to his, as to his ancestry, but on the basis of the power of an indestructible life. Oh, I love that phrase. Jesus, you see, didn't come into the priesthood of God uh, because of his tribal ancestry. He belonged to the tribe of Judah, not the tribe of Levi, but a normal Levitical priest's term ended when he died. And yet the world killed Jesus. The earth shook curtain ripped, but he came back to life. He lives with the power of an indestructible life. Do you have the courage to believe the unbelievable, to believe in this king? That's the interior of the shield of faith. Let's think about the edge for just a moment. Let me talk about this courage to speak the unpopular. Let your mind's eye again sort of be drawn to the edge of the shield, the kind of flat but circular a piece that binds the inside of the shield to the outside. Again, uh, only one thing can appear on that edge for it to function as a beautiful allegiance shield, a shield of faith. Maybe you see the words, I profess that Jesus is Lord, kind of embossed and circling the edge of the shield. It's your confession of loyalty to Jesus. The words perhaps you said exactly that way or maybe in essence when you came to commit yourself to Jesus as the true king of heaven and earth. It's, it's the essence of Paul's words again in the church of Ephesus when he describes God's power this way in chapter 1. He says that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when, when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. All things are under the rule of Jesus. All things. Would you say that little phrase with me? All things. Jesus reigns over all things. And it is this edge that holds the entire shield together, our ability to confess that this Jesus is Lord over all things, including us 
And it is inseparable to the whole shield of allegiance. But let me tell you, it takes great courage to say Jesus is Lord these days. It's just not popular. Say it in the marketplace. Say it at work. And people write you off as a religious nut. Say it in the halls of the state capitol. And some people will say, well, that's nonsense. But how can I use that sentiment to get power over people? Uh, Say it on your social media feed and people will call you exclusive and intolerant. They may even get angry. How can you say that your God, that your Jesus is the only way to salvation? Isn't that bigoted? Say it in Laos or Pakistan or Sudan. It'll cost you your life. Do you have the courage to speak your allegiance when the world shakes around you? Well, third, let's think about the shield's front, the shield of faith. Let me call it the courage to live the uncommon. Again, if you flip the shield over now on the front side, I believe you'd see something strange. This metallic front of the shield uh, is decorated with this, this engraving. And it's a picture you see in your mind's eye. It's a picture of, of you on the front of the shield. But, but wait, that's not quite right. It's not, it's not you. It's, it's Jesus. Wait a minute. Or is it? And as you look, what you begin to notice is that it's a picture of you that is changing into the picture of Jesus. It's a picture of your current life process or life story in process of you being transformed in the image of this king through embodied loyalty to Jesus. You're increasingly taking on his character traits. You're living out his kingdom life. Like Romans 12 says, you're not being conformed to the pattern of this world, but being transformed by the renewing of your mind through your obedience to him. You are looking more and more like your king. And this is not an extra option, you know, to the shield as if it were extracurricular. It's the crucial front face. It's your day-to-day loyalty, your obedience to his word and way of life. It's not the common way to live in our culture, but it's the abundant way to live. You know this, saying no to our runaway appetites. That's not very American, but it is Christian. Putting down your screens to serve someone, that's not common. But it is Christian. Uh, replacing our Netflix and chill treatment for anxiety is pretty common. But what if you replace that with do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, present your requests to God? Well, that's not common. That's like digging among the rubble to find your boy while everybody else is telling you to give up. Do you have the courage to live as your king instructs and not as our culture dictates? This shield of allegiance, this idea of a shield of faith, it's indispensable. And, and the surface, uh, each surface of the shield is necessary for us as we, as we give our faith to, to God. It's a mental agreement of the, the, the truth of the story. It's this uh, declaration of loyalty to Jesus the King. It is this embodied loyalty to living with Jesus and for Jesus. And to pick up that shield takes courage, real courage. Do you have that courage in a world like this? Here recently I've been reading and enjoying a story from uh, ancient Chinese history, a story of uh, a person named Zhang Yu, who in 207 B.C., now a couple hundred years before Christ, led an army of rebels against the Qin Dynasty. 
Now, the, the Qin government had begun to undercut landowners in those days, and they began to, to pull the peasants off of the land in order to conscript them to hard labor around, uh, around the country, uh, helping to connect walls along the northern border, which would eventually become the Great Wall of China, among other things. In fact, some legends even have that the, the government became quite tyrannical, burning writings of people and even burying alive some 460 Confucian scholars who disagreed with their rule. And into that mess steps this man named Zheng Yu. He gained strength as a rebel leader and he began to lead a group of fighters that grew to about 20,000 rebels. uh, And he led them to a place called Julu. And he and his band of 20,000 troops had to cross the Yellow River in order to meet the government's troops, some 300,000 government troops. And as they crossed the Yellow River in these boats and they got to the other side, Zhang Yu ordered his men to sink their boats and destroy everything but three days of rations to force them to choose between fighting and winning against impossible odds or dying without hope of escape. And despite being incredibly outmanned, he led his troops nine times in attack against the government troops, defeating eventually the 300,000 Qin army. So radically that eventually other rebel leaders began to come and join forces with him, but they were so in awe of his courage at that attack that they would not even look him in the face, but only fell to their knees before him. And with time, the Qin dynasty fell before his fury. Man, sinking boats and burning rations and food in order to face a a foe that vastly outnumbered them, that's courage. Do we have that kind of courage when it comes to our king, Jesus? Let me conclude this series about faith with... Uh, Two ways to wield this shield of faith. How can we uh, boldly stand with courageous loyalty for King Jesus in our times? Uh, First of all, we have to proclaim Jesus as king. Uh, Paul, later in Ephesians, after this description of the shield of faith, would say this in uh, verses 19 and 20 of chapter 6. He says, pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I uh, will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. I think that should remain a prayer, not just for first century Rome and Paul, but a prayer for us in 2018 America as well, that we may declare the good news of King Jesus. In fact, did you see how he wanted to declare it? Twice he uses this little word, fearlessly. The little Greek term means in boldness. He wanted to proclaim King Jesus with confidence, with frankness, publicly, proudly, even while he was in prison for his faith. Wow, will we have the kind of courage necessary to to boldly, to fearlessly proclaim Jesus as King? When, listen, it's so much easier to lessen his title. You, You could say... To your coworker at work, it, it would be it would be easy to say to to people who don't believe around you that you found Jesus to be a very good teacher and you like to come to church to hear his teaching, and that's true, and that won't ruffle any feathers, and that'd be just fine. Or would it? Or you could tell your neighbor that Jesus washes away sin, which is true, while neglecting to say that you need to surrender your life to him as king. 
Now, a Savior warms the heart. Everybody loves a a Savior. I mean, nobody's going to get upset about that. Nobody's going to throw you in jail like Paul for talking about a Savior. But tell people that he's a king who commands our allegiance, and now the chains come out and courage is called to bear. We live in this strange time in which we've seen in our lifetime every kind of sexual expression come out of the closet while pressure uh, pressuring uh, us to send faith in Jesus deep into the closet. Just keep all that religious stuff private is the call of our age. To do otherwise will take courage. Do we have that kind of courage? Uh, secondly, we have to live as a disciple of King Jesus. Discipleship and salvation are not separate categories. They're two sides of the same shield. You see, Southside is not just about getting people saved with evangelism and, and hopefully someday getting people in the extracurricular work of growing their faith in Christ. We, we want instead to invite people into the full life of following Jesus from the very beginning. That's why Paul can speak so beautifully again to the Ephesians one moment about the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. It is all His grace. It is His blessing. And the very next moment, it seems, he can say, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. For Paul, saving faith is not just a moment of decision. It's a life lived with Jesus. But that kind of life takes courage. Do we have the courage to grow in our faith? To live out this life? Listen again to Paul's passionate view of faith fleshed out. Again, and this is Ephesians 4 now. He says, so I tell you this and I insist on it in the Lord. Do you hear that? It's non-negotiable. That you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. Instead, he'll say, verse 20, That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in Him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. To live that way, listen, it takes courage, but live that way anyway. Well... Armand's school was crushed in a pile of rubble. But Armand's dad could not get the words out of his mind that he told his son every single day, I will always be there for you. And so he dug. And when he was exhausted, he dug. And when other people came up to him and they said, it's not safe, you need to go home. It's a lost cause. He dug. For hour after hour after hour, it became 12 hours straight of digging, which became 24 hours straight of digging, which became 36 hours straight of digging. Finally, in the 38th hour, as he dug, he heard a muffled groan under a piece of wallboard. And pulling it back, he yelled out, Armand! And from the darkness, he heard this trembling, shaky voice, Papa. And then he heard 14 other little voices of survivors in the midst of that rubble begin to cry out, 
Papa, it's me, he said. And then Armand, in the darkness of the rubble, turned to his classmates and said to them, I told you my father would come. He is always there for me. We have a father who's always there for us. Who digs through the rubble of this rebellious world to find you and to find me. He courageously refuses to quit. He is loyal to us even to death and back. Can we offer him any less of ourselves? So give your complete allegiance to King Jesus. Pick up the shield of faith and stand your ground with him and stand with courage. Father, I'm so grateful that we can be found in your grace, that you, uh, Lord Jesus, would come into this wreck of a rebellious world and would offer your very life so that we could be saved. Help us to be a people of courage, Father, a people of deep and abiding allegiance to you so that not only would we give you honor and glory, but, Father, ultimately that we would show the world around us the kind of God we serve, a God of rescue, a God of redemption, a God of peace. Thank you for this gospel of Jesus. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.